0: Thank you, Blanche. So my apologies to those of you who were here yesterday because I talked about generosity, but I don't. I think that it's a um, it's a subject that really is never exhausted. And uh, I've decided that I'm going to give a series of a lot of teachings over the next months on generosity uh, because I'm really interested in it, first of all, as my, for my own practice. But secondly, because I think that um, it's not been uh, taught or emphasized in these beautiful teachings that the Buddha left for us, even though he did emphasize it. And he emphasized it not so much in the uh, in the in the teachings of the Eightfold Path or in the um, in the Four Noble Truths. But really, he, I think the reason that the, it doesn't appear specifically as part of the Eightfold Path, which is the basic path that we follow when we meditate, we're really working on three of the aspects of the eightfold path it's because he really saw it as an underpinning or an un, or a complete support of the entire path from being bound from the heart being tied up to freedom and that in a way freedom is expressed mostly through generosity, because actually generosity is an expression of a spacious and open heart, a heart that is not bound by things or conditions. And so without the quality of generosity or the quality of giving, then our all of the ways in which we 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 may slavishly or 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 um, sp- uh, specifically and scholarly or however whatever way we work the um, the path that if we if we omit the practice of generosity if we omit the cultivation of the heart of generosity then the path can never be fully realized, it can never be fully expressed. And so it's a very important aspect of uh, the teachings of the Buddha and one of my teachers called it in a way the first pillar of the Dharma, the first underpinning, the first leg that it stands on is this cultivation of generosity. And in fact, the when the Buddha would meet someone who did not yet consider him their teacher, that this the teaching of generosity is the teaching that he would give them. Because he understood and said in several of his teachings, several of his discourses. As a matter of fact, he said it to his eight-year-old son. He said, if you understood, if you knew what I knew about generosity, if you understood what I understood about generosity, you would never let a meal go by without sharing it with someone. And it's, a, and it's a powerful way of really expressing that this quality of heart that is really an expression of loving kindness and compassion, it's in a way loving kindness and compassion in action, that without it our, our, our practice falls way short of freedom. So in, in the teachings, in the Pali language, which is the, the language that w- in which the teachings were originally expressed, there are two words that sometimes get conflated when they come to our Western culture, our Western civilization. And that one word is dana, D-A-N-A, which we talk about and which uh, Blanca mentioned. And the other word is chaga. C-A-G-A and they get a little bit confused when we talk about them because the English language is not as precise as the Pali language <clears throat> the word dana means giving and the word chaga means generosity and what I like about that distinction is that one is a is a quality of heart the generosity uh, the the generous heart that overflows with kindness and compassion and the other is the activity of that generosity which is giving that there is a way in which uh, we develop generosity and from that generosity Giving happens and it happens in a kind of natural way So the generosity is really what needs to be trained and the giving will follow as night follows day and day follows night As a community of color I think we are peculiarly um, aware of the value of love. And I say that uh, not lightly. I say that because I believe that people who are oppressed in a culture or peop- and people who are, um, because of that oppression, very familiar with poverty, understand very deeply that we cannot survive without each other. I think that if we're in a if we're in a um, in a place where uh, everything is equal and there is no oppression, it's not that love isn't important, but I think that it becomes peculiarly important when uh there is so much need that it becomes very obvious that we can't live alone. We can't can't survive alone. And I say that as someone coming from Jamaica, that what I observed as a young child was how the community constantly and intuitively understood that when we are uh, prospering, when we are in a place of uh, succeeding and prospering and things are well, that it's vitally important that we express our love through the generous heart that gives. Because we understood that the next day, the way fortunes are in poor cultures, the next day it could very well be that we would be the ones in need and that we would be vitally connected to and and dependent on the goodwill of others. And so we learned, I learned very early on, that the need for generosity was not some kind of nice philosophical um, understanding, but that it was a really seminal piece of understanding how we live together. the interdependence that the Buddha talked about is again not a theoretical nicety that yes, you know, Martin Luther King talked about it and Gandhi talked about it and the Buddha talked about it and isn't it wonderful and yes, we can see that we're all interdependent and that without each other we can't survive but that it's actually a day-to-day reality in the lives of many beings that it actually is true that without the kindness of others, without the compassion of others, without the care and the um, the, 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 the feeling of others for um, the humanity that we all share, that in a way it becomes a real survival issue. And so when the Buddha talked about, when the Buddha first would would give these discourses to people that he first met on generosity, he would essentially not continue with what he called the graduated discourse you know, the, the, the understanding or the, um, the, the, the teachings on moving from a place where our hearts are bound and not free to a place of freedom. When he, he would explain that in a graduated, expositional way, he would not do that until he, un- he felt that the person that he was addressing, that the student completely understood the need for and the value of and the importance of generosity because generosity is essentially a heart that is open and that without that open heart the teachings could not be understood. Now what does that mean? What does it mean that we can't understand the teachings without an open heart? Many, how many of you have been practicing for more than a year? Okay. So probably, you know, you feel as if you have a pretty good idea of what the of what the teachings are, yes? Yes? Or or are you kind of kind of sort of kind of sort of. So it's kind of startling to hear that you know, you can't really understand the teachings if your heart isn't open. What do you think that means? anybody able to be able to be able to well done so what she said is that it, do you have a, do you have a mic could you repeat what you said because I don't want to mis- misquote you Well Beautiful, thank you and in a way what you're raising there is what you're actually saying is that the teachings are actually about letting go and if the teachings are actually about letting go how can we possibly understand how to let go if the heart is closed so our so freedom freedom is actually truly revealed by what it is possible for us to let go of. Do do you get that? That unless we are able to let go, we're not free. And that's what you're, what's your name? Aliyah, that's what Aliyah is alluding to, I think. I don't want to misinterpret you, but I think that's what you're alluding to. So rather than accumulating possessions and experiences and um, all of these things that we're conditioned to pursue uh, what I like to say especially when people come on retreat is you know, this is not a place where you come and get something. And so even when you come to New York Insight and you do these practices and you study and reflect it's not about coming to get something. It's like we establish this beautiful place as a toxic dump, right? Because you begin to learn what you can let go of. What is it possible to let go of that we thought was so important to our happiness, that we thought was so important to um, who we are, or what's going to make us successful people, or what's going to make a successful life. We begin to learn that it's not the idea of freedom and the understanding of the heart that is surely released is not about getting more or becoming someone but actually learning what we can let go of we are invited we are completely invited to let go so instead of thinking of this place as a place where you come and get something. You know, whether it's sangha, or enlightenment, or you know, somebody told me they like to come on certain nights because that's when the more handsome men come. (laughs) Um, You know, whatever you... Ah, there she is! (laughs) So, whatever whatever your, you, you know, whatever your reason for coming, You know, it's not so much to get as it is to let go, to have that hand that's able to let go. And what begins to happen is that becomes, a, as, as we were saying before about meditation practice, that when we can practice with some small experience like an itch, that becomes a template for much larger issues in our lives. In the same way, when we learn how to let go in small ways, it becomes a template for how we let go of all of the conditioning that has made us suffer. So this generosity becomes a seminal teaching, a seminal place for us to rest and what does it look like? What does generosity look like? Does it, does it always, does chaga always look like dana? No. Does it, it, does it always get expressed by money or goods or this way or that way? No, what begins to happen is we begin to understand and see what it's like to actually live generously. To live as a wide open space that's porous through which things flow so that we see all of the things that come to us not as something that we own not as something that we grasp or we take to ourselves and we keep to ourselves but that it's an ever constant flow coming in and going out and in that way nothing becomes stagnant in our lives. Nothing, there is nothing that is dammed up, nothing that is held so tightly. You you know, and and we know that even things that are absolutely wonderful, if we don't give them space and time to change and shift according to circumstances and conditions and to understand what's happening and what's needed in this moment, that they become stale. And inappropriate. And you can think of think in your own lives when you've held on to a relationship that started out one particular way and you wanted it you wanted to hold it that way. But the relationship wants to move and morph and change and shift. And so the more we try to hold on to it, the more stifled it becomes. And that's a that's a, a manifestation of generosity. So it's not just so much the dana aspect, the giving of it, that it's totally defined by. And sometimes it's defined by receiving. Can we receive generously? I know in my own life that I'm, I'm, dis- I'm more disposed to giving than I am to receiving. And I can see how I can get really stingy sometimes. If I receive a compliment or I receive something from someone that I, I want to deflect it, I don't, want to, I don't want it to come in so much. I'm, I'm a little shy about it. And in, in these last few years of my life, I've been really working on how to receive graciously. Because somehow the ability to give someone else the opportunity to give can be a really generous thing to do. And we can also look at our fears and this whole idea of scarcity and abundance. If we see the world as an abundant place, then the fear of not having enough can't overwhelm us. If we see the world as a scarce place and that we have to hold on to what we've got because we may not have enough or we may not have it tomorrow, you need to look and reflect in your own life which one are you, which, which way are you disposed. And it doesn't mean that if you think that the, that the world is an abundant place that you give it away in such a way that you are not discerning and that you don't consider yourself in your own generosity. but That you take care of yourself too. That you are part of the whole flow of giving and receiving. But if you think of yourself as a, as, if you think of the world as a scarce place that doesn't ever have enough and so we have to Hold on tight and, you know, keep things close. Just notice what that's done in your life. How has that been for you? Because if you hold on tight, you can certainly keep what you've got, but nothing else can fall in. So this question of generosity, and I'm going to stop in a moment to give us some time to discuss this, because I'd like to hear your thoughts. This question of generosity is a really large subject and one that I really recommend you start to reflect on as part of your practice if you're really wanting to take on um, Dharma practices as, as, a, as a path that you understand very clearly that the practice of of giving, which stems from the heart of generosity, is an is a important seminal and indispensable practice. That this practice of generosity is in a way the template for your understanding freedom because in order to be, to be willing to give and to give uh, appropriately, to understand what is needed in any situation, in any circumstance, and to open the heart to give what is needed, that that begins to teach us how to let go. Because in every act of giving, there's an act of letting go. There's an act of opening the heart and seeing what can happen if we let go and make space for the next beautiful thing that's going to happen in our lives. And that if we don't do that, then the space becomes more and more and more crowded in our hearts and in our lives. And there's no room for anything else to appear or to come. just reflect on all that you receive from life because gratitude is part of generosity so you know as human beings we tend to really focus on what we don't have and they've they've kind of proved in all of the studies that you know, we, we're so hardwired for survival that we're always looking for danger and looking for lack. And so in order to, um, to, to work out from that place of just base survival, it really is helpful to begin to look at what actually has come our way. First of all, just this precious human life. It's said in the Tibetan tradition that getting a human body is as rare as a turtle swimming in all of the great oceans and there's one ring that, he, that is floating in the ocean and the chance of that turtle finding that one ring and putting his head through it is about the same as the chance of getting a, a human life, a human body. So here we all are. We've been blessed with human bodies. We've all found the ring in the, in the ocean. So we can even start there. And even though life may not be everything that you would like it to be, anybody have everything they want? Now, oh, one person put her hand up. Excellent, I'd like to talk to you afterwards. <laughs> You know, and even when we do get, even when we do have that moment when we think everything's great, right? I got the job, I got the man, I got the woman, I got the career, I got the body, I got the mind, I got the, you know, I've got all of that stuff. It's gonna change, (laughs) right? It's gonna change, we know that, right? We're gonna age, somebody's gonna get sick, we're gonna lose somebody, somebody's gonna die, somebody's gonna leave. I'm going to want to leave. Something's going to happen. Even though that's true, we've had many blessings in our lives. So can we be grateful for those and from that place of gratitude and abundance that's inflowing, not to dam up that giving of the universe. You know, just breathing the breath that we breathe. This plant is putting it out so that we can get the oxygen and we're sending it back to, to the plant so that it can get the carbon dioxide it needs. So everything is constantly, the, the, its life giving itself and do we not want to partake in that? And so this teaching that the Buddha has given Ungiving is in a way the whole of the Dharma. In any act of giving and gen- expressing the generous heart, there is loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. There is the letting go of and the releasing of the attachment that causes suffering. There is a walking of the path. So I recommend to you, as I'm doing in these, um, these days, is that every morning when you wake up, take a little uh, catalog of what's good. What's, what's great this morning? The sun's out or it's raining, whichever it is. If, if it's raining, the plants get watered, f- we get food. If it's, if it's sunny, everybody's in a good mood, right? Most people are in a good mood, not everybody. But we need sun, we need rain. Whatever is coming is a blessing. Can you see it that way? And therefore share what you have by giving attention, by sharing your resources, sharing your energy. Whatever you have to offer, can you offer it freely? This is what creates happiness, the ability to let go of all of the things that we're attached to, which are going anyway. We don't own any of it. We don't even own this body. So allowing all of that feeling of attachment and wanting and wanting to hold on is possible to transform. And it's possible to transform it through this teaching on generosity, this understanding of its importance in letting go of uh, attachments that cause suffering. So thank you for listening. May we all live with generosity, abiding in goodness of heart for the welfare of all beings.